2: It's a Numbers Game with your host Gil Alexander. So those idiots who believe
3: in analytics. Good Tuesday morning too. it is a Numbers Game right here at Vison. It's not Tuesday by the way. It's Wednesday. I got to get it straight. It is a Numbers Game. Vison.com, the Vison Fubo Sling Game Plus and iHeart Radio. It is Gil Alexander. Jason Cobb, producer number 7 is here as well. Jason, it is a finally overbooked program. Yes, well done. Sir six of them. Josh Towers will be here to talk baseball with us. JVT to talk NBA. Good Lord, Charlotte Hornets. What was that? Jason Weingarten on baseball. Brady Cannon on the PGA later. golf second major of the year. And Andy McNeil with a rare uh, Wednesday appearance on the show to talk uh, hockey playoffs. And Todd Wright momentarily to talk both PGA and NHL playoffs with us. Todd Wright from uh, the Todd Wright Toddcast. Of course, Todd Wright Fantasy Football Podcast. And I should mention, what are the odds, his videos. Uh, we'll talk about that momentarily with Todd. We'll bring him in in a second. Tennis, though, I uh, just want to bring this up again. Looks like another fine day yesterday. Already already a winning day clinched two days ago, first of all. Jason, you could throw up the uh, the grades from two days ago first, if you would. Uh, so this was our 3-1 and performance uh, that we graded the day before yesterday. That included a plus 249 dog on Christina Busca. Then yesterday, once again, we do have one match pending from yesterday's because there was a suspension of play. This is all in Europe, four different tournaments, two on the men's side, two on the ladies' side. This is from yesterday now, if we could show those on the screen. Uh, there you go. Um, that that rendered Knetch is not a check mark, Jason. That is pending. So we're two and one. The parlay leg doesn't count as a... Uh, as a uh, grade, even though that was a winner. So the Knatch is still pending. That's going on right now in the third set, but another plus 225 dog among them on Rekka Lukajani over Teresa Martin Kova. So two days in a row, real good on tennis. Um, We'll add up all those units. Then today, just again, if you want to have some action during the show and after, uh, there is a grand total of count them eight plays. And some of these, I'm just letting you know, some of these are about to start. but And we'll we'll post these later on the show, but I'm just going to run through them right now real quick. The only names you need to know. Diego Schwartzman is a big favorite. He's minus 370 in his match against Richard Gasquet. Uh, Ilya Ivashka is minus 115 against Grigor Dimitrov. I'm on Ivashka. Uh, Marco Chechenato, plus 167 over Denis Shapovalov. We've got some dogs in here. I'm fading Shapovalov. Corey Goff, like with Schwartzman, she's a favorite, and a big one. Minus 312 over our girl, our girl Camila Georgie, but we're on Goff there. Uh, Demila Samsonova, you'll never remember these. Plus 203 uh, in her match over Petra Martic. We are fading some big names today. Camila Rakimova at plus 115 over Maria Osorio Serrano. And then finally, three dogs to close it out, or two dogs to close it out. Uh, Rekha Luka Yanni, who we won on yesterday, plus 234 in her match against Anna Kalinskaya. And Victoria Tomova, plus 250 against Leila Fernandez. There are eight picks in all. We will post them here later in the show just to make them clear. But some of those names are about to start. So again, Schwartzman, Ivashka, Chechenato, Goff, Samsonova, Rachimova, uh, Yanni, and Tomova. <laughs> the joys of tennis ladies and gentlemen uh let's bring him in he is the greatest radio host who has ever lived in my opinion and i cannot be talked off this position the host of the espn classic radio show all night with todd Wright. back in the day he's got the todd Wright todd of course the todd Wright fantasy football podcast and his videos uh which he does on gambling which i believe is in the off season right now called what are the odds very entertaining ladies and gentlemen it's todd Wright. how you doing todd
4: good morning Gil
3: alexander was that a, was that an appropriate uh, intro? What are the odds? Uh, is is on hiatus right now?
4: Yes, it is. Yes, it is. With a, I'm sort of like in that Netflix area where I'm hoping to get the renew for season three to please all the fans who you know we left them hanging at the end of season two. That's where I'm at with these webcasts right now. But I'm optimistic we'll be back for football season.
3: Excellent. We look forward to those. Okay. So uh, let's begin because I want to, we, we don't have much time because I know we want to be thorough about both of these, uh, but the PGA championship, let's start with golf, golf, second major. We're at Kiowa Island, the ocean course at Kiowa Island in South Carolina, starting tomorrow. Um, and let me, w- what I'll do is I'll throw out names. Let's do it this way and you'll give me your reaction to them. How about that? We could do it that way. I'll
4: do it as quickly as I can, and normally it's not too quick, but I'm really going to try this time because I know we're trying to jam a lot into the segment.
3: All right, we'll do it. Okay, and I've got a a station break in 15 seconds, so there's a bit of filibuster here involved. But we will begin with the gentleman who uh, just won at Wells Fargo, has had success on this course in the past, but honestly before his win at Wells Fargo, was far from playing the best golf of his career, uh, it's Gil Alexander, Todd Wright, right here on a numbers game at VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network, Visa.com, the VEASAN app, FuboSling, Game Plus, and iHeartRadio, talking PGA. Talking about Rory McIlroy, of course, Todd. Your thoughts headed into the PGA.
4: I understand why he's the favorite, why there's so much attention on him after he won at Wells Fargo. People will connect. While well, he's familiar with Quail Hollow, he's familiar with Kiowa Island. He has undergone some swing changes I just don't think he's the same player that he was when he won at Kiowa Island. Um, I'm not ready to go all in on Rory McElroy this week. Wouldn't surprise me with the top 10. If he makes the cut, pushes for some late money, gets you that top 10, maybe even that top five, I don't think he wins outright.
3: He is the short shot to win it at 11-1, to 1, but uh, Todd is uh, not focused on him. Okay, nearly 8,000-yard course, the island course. Um, that calls to mind, of course, a big hitter like Bryson DeChambeau. Are you thinking about playing Bryson here in any form?
4: No, I'm not, just because of recent form with his approach game, which I think is going to be as... Look, a lot of guys can hit it far, and I don't think at 8,000, Bryson's length takes away the negatives from the state of his approach game right now. Also, Bryson is in the morning wave Thursday, which means he's in the afternoon wave Friday where he might be fighting to make the cut, and the winds could be kicking up Friday afternoon more than any point on Thursday and Friday. So I'm going to stay away from Bryson here, and in a one-and-done league, I'm waiting to hold him until Tory Pines in the U.S. Open.
3: I'm going to pick off a couple other names here of the five shortest shots to win the PGA. Justin Thomas has gone pretty quiet the last month, and he plays on him.
4: Uh, I understand the interest in him just as I understand the interest in Rory McIlroy. I think Justin is a better player than Rory McIlroy, but I don't like that we haven't really seen anything from him the last month of real significance. Uh, So I'm going to stay off him this week and go contrarian and stay away from Justin Thomas even in DFS.
3: Even in DFS, interesting. By the way, Rory eleven to one, the short shot. I mentioned Bryson DeChambeau; he's the uh, fifth shortest at BetMGM at sixteen to one. Mentioned JT; he's fourteen to one. John Rahm, who's also at fourteen to one to win this. We are expecting uh, some weather in the form of wind. Does that take your eyes off John Rom?
4: Yeah, I was, uh, I was in on Rom, and he produced sort of that backdoor top five. It was nearly a top three at the Masters, one shot 66 on Sunday. And he admitted on, on Sunday he was hitting the same shots that he hit Thursday, Friday, Saturday, but the wind messed with his head. Rahm's a very sort of emotional player, and sometimes it gets the better of him. Um, that worries me at Kiwa Island, how Rahm is going to deal with the wind because uh, he's not a good win player, and I think it could frustrate him. So I don't feel good about him this week either, even though he obviously has the length on a, a course that is nearly 8,000 yards.
3: Okay, I like this. We're doing the horse racing thing. We'll do this in hockey too, where we we do the throwouts first for you. Uh, with those four names then not part of your your betting focus, uh, give us a few names, maybe even some several names. Well, you will have bets on them either straight or, or in DFS or in other derivative markets?
4: Sure. Uh, I'll give you five and then you can pick them off one at a time as you want. We can comment on them. Um, in order, Spieth, Shoffley, Burns, Zalatoris, Hoffman. Those are five that I'm focusing in on this week.
3: Let's go Spieth first because he's the other one in the top five, the one that I didn't mention yet.
4: You know, I think some would throw him out just because he's not extraordinarily long off the tee. But he gets it done, uh, and Jordan can think his way around a link-style golf course like this. He can play in the wind. Um, his numbers are phenomenal with his with, just with his all-around golf game. He has the creativity. He's not where he was when he won all those majors, but, boy, he is close. Um, and there's a lot of people out there who believe in Jordan Spieth, and I'm one of them. Uh, I think he's in the mix this week. I don't see any reason to fade him.
3: Jordan Spieth fourteen to one to win it at BetMGM. He was one of the uh, top five short shots as well in this tournament. All right, the other names you mentioned, uh, Xander Shaufly, who got oh so close at the Masters, Todd a month ago. The sixteenth hole was his undoing. Uh, When you look at a tournament like this, obviously the next major since then, uh, the the first major since then, do you? I mean, how much do you handicap in that kind of just absolutely gut wrenching loss in terms of him in this tournament? Do you factor it in?
4: Um, I do. I think it's going to be very telling because some golfers, after something like that happens, they go they go a negative direction. I tend I want to believe Schaufley goes a positive direction because you and I, for as long as we've been talking golf, deal talk about how Schaufley thrives against the best fields. So we obviously have that this week. We don't have course knowledge to go on, but we obviously have the field factor. And in majors, over half the time, he's in the top ten in the majors he's played in his career. So I think he's going to be almost as hard on himself after that 16th hole at Augusta as his father is, who's his swing coach, his mental coach, his everything coach, because his dad's very tough on him. Uh, I asked someone with Golf Channel recently, is it like a Marinovich tough? And he says, no, but it's close. That's what Shoffley deals with. That's how much his father pushes him. I think he'll push very hard this week. And we've had a lot of first-time major winners in the last six or seven majors. Shoffley could be next.
3: A Mar- Is it Marinovich? Tough question. A-, a reference for those who were around in the early 80s uh, who remember Todd Marinovich's father, Todd Marinovich, who uh, played at USC and then with the Raiders. Uh, in the National Football League. Now, you did throw in two names for those who are casual golf fans who are familiar with all the names we just mentioned but are sort of showing up for golf here post-pandemic and are like, who, who's bubbling under? These next two names you just mentioned, I mean, is anybody playing better than these two guys? One of which was Sam Burns, uh, who has just been killing it. These Both of these guys are ATM machines. Sam Burns, part of all of your bets here.
4: Yeah, uh, the ATM machines, in my opinion these days, are Burns, Dallatoris and Hovland. Um, and I wanted to get Victor Hovland's name in because I think he's a good top 10 type play this week. Um, not sure he's ready to break through. But, yeah, since uh, Hideki won the Masters, Sam Burns is the best player in the world. Um, and he goes out and he wins in my backyard at Valspar, takes a week off, comes back, and leads the uh, the Byron Nelson uh, after 36 uh, which was kind of a pitch and putt, 36-54 holes didn't close the deal. But a lot of players after they win a golf tournament, they kind of go away for a while. Not Sam Burns, so I am I am with him this week, just as I am another young player who came up to within one shot of winning the Masters, uh, and showed and, and showed no uh, intimidation by playing at Augusta National for his first time. And Will Zalatoris, a guy still fighting for it was still fighting for status going into that tournament. So, yeah, Burns and Zalatoris, I think, are tremendous values this week, and I expect them to play well.
3: Why Burns and Zalatoris and not, I know you said, you just mentioned Vic Hovland as a a top 10, but why not quite as bullish on Hovland here as you are with Burns and Zalatoris?
4: Well, I was with Hovland at, uh, what was it, at uh, Quail Hollow when he pulled off a, a, a third. It just feels to me that Burns and Zalatoris are more, they're better outrights than Hovland is. Uh, I, I I just don't see enough to put Hovland on that same line as Burns and Zalatoris. Although, if I'm playing DFS, I feel equally about the three. But I'm just not ready to say Hovland can win a major. I have no doubts Burns and Zalatoris are going to win majors.
3: Oh, it's going to happen, for sure. Are you still playing DFS heavy, Todd, with all your tournaments? Yeah,
4: Yeah, as a matter of fact, last week, uh, of all the leagues I played for DFS, I won in all of them, Uh, a minimum of double last week, which is pretty good considering we had no knowledge of TPC Craig Ranch. Um, I just went with guys who hit it a long way off the tee, um, more so than others because it it was going to play like a pitch and putt.
3: All right, and I did catch you had one long shot in there, Charlie Hoffman.
4: Yeah, yeah. the wind charlie's one of the best five players in the world in the wind especially for an american player that's why europeans did so well here uh when rory won the last time we were at kiowa island uh, hoffman's numbers are also sensational i know it's not like he's winning big but there there's just a pattern here with charlie's game i think he's playing the best golf of his career um and you say yeah well charlie hoffman and major championship don't go together well Last two decades of PGA championship skill, and I gave you the list. Rich Beam, Jimmy Walker, Y.E. Yang, Jason Duffner, Keegan Bradley, Sean McKeel, David Toms. Uh, Charlie Hoffman kind of fits that profile. So Charlie is my long shot this week.
3: All right. Um, I love it. PGA starts tomorrow. Again, Kiowa Island. We will be tracking it during the show tomorrow and on Friday for sure. Let's switch to the Stanley Cup playoffs, talking to Todd Wright. From uh, Todd Wright Fantasy Football Podcast, always answering your fantasy football questions during the football season, the Todd Wright Podcast, and of course, uh, what are the odds? Um, okay, let's do the same. Let's do it the same way. Let's do the throwouts like we're doing a horse race. Give me all the teams in the NHL playoffs that you are not considering to win it all.
4: All right. So this is the Bob Baffert list. Yes. So that's what we call this. Okay. <laughs> that's fine. right. Um, any Canadian team. Uh, Washington, sorry, but you know uh, I picked them three years ago, so we, we remain friends. We do. Uh, the Island, the Islanders, St. Louis, who I had two years ago, so I'm still friends with everybody in St. Louis who still is playing the song Gloria. Uh, Minnesota, Nashville, I like Minnesota, but not to win the cup. Nashville, window closed. Florida, already too many goalie questions. So I'm kicking out ten teams that are in the playoffs. That leaves me six.
3: Wow, any Canadian team. you You blanketed that one.
4: Gil, how old were you in 93, the last time a Canadian team won the Cup?
3: Oh, man, in my 20s. Yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah. Those were good times, right? Yeah. Yeah. Those were, yeah. Those were good times for hockey in Canada as well. And I think sort of uh, segmenting the Canadian teams just against one another, uh, which adjusted the futures board when this was announced, suddenly the odds on Toronto dropped on the futures boards because it's like, Wow, Toronto could, Toronto could be two series away from winning a Stanley Cup. That's about the closest a Canadian team gets uh, these days. And I don't buy that once one Canadian team gets pushed into the reseed in the Stanley Cup semifinals, they're going to be ready for what's in front of them.
3: All right, so that leaves six, like you said. I did the, I did the math here. All right, let's start with your hometown, Tampa Bay Lightning, the defending champs.
4: Yeah, and for those who call me a homer, back me up, Gil. I was very hard on my podcast and on your show in recent years about Tampa Bay. But look, they answered all questions last year Uh, in a difficult environment with a lot of things equal for every team. They answered those questions, and now they have a healthy Steven Stamkos. They have a healthy uh, Nikita Kucherov, three points in his first game since winning the Stanley Cup because they had him on the injured list all regular season, and then you combine a guy who I basically think may be their best player in Brayden Point, who outright won them uh, game one against the Panthers, I really think only injuries or a bad matchup, which they can get in the next round, can hold them back because they have one of the top two goaltenders in the world.
3: Tampa Bay also with a 2 to nothing lead uh, by virtue of their 3-1 win over Florida last night. And you're right, Braden Point was just tremendous. The game winner and the first goal of that game uh, in game one against Florida. Okay, uh, Carolina. Our hockey expert, Andy McNeil, our analytics guy up in Edmonton, Alberta. He loves the Carolina Hurricanes. You do too.
4: Uh, I do. And they bubble up like every, what, six to eight years. And Uh, They're potentially that bad matchup for Tampa Bay. They, they have brought out the worst in Tampa Bay at times in some of the regular season games. Uh, They've created a lot of open ice in their games against Tampa Bay. So a Carolina Tampa Bay matchup to win that division in the next round is, is the potential downfall of the Tampa Bay lightning. I don't know if Carolina can go on and win the Stanley cup. Um, But there's enough to like about their penalty kill, about their style, about their depth. They may not have the star power, a a goaltender who has good numbers but is, is unproven. I think there's enough there. I think they're very dangerous against Tampa Bay in the next round. I'm not sure they win it outright. But, yeah, I like Carolina a lot, too.
3: All right, Vegas Golden Knights, Todd, for, for a little bit there. When I mean a little bit, I mean maybe 17 seconds last night. Uh, there was a lot of panic here. Vegas Golden Knights were down one to nothing, not only in the series, but in the game last night uh, to the Wild, and then immediately a, uh, a game-tying goal, and then very short time thereafter, they went ahead. They win it 3-1. to Vegas evens up their series with a team that they've had trouble with all year, the Minnesota Wild. Where do you stand on the Knights?
4: Yeah, I think the uh, Vegas was victimized by the fact that Colorado made that last six-game push to win the President's uh, Trophy and get the number one seed. This is a nightmare matchup for Vegas based on all the things that you guys have been talking about, and I know because I watch a lot of Vegas hockey myself. Um, Mark andre Fleury and Andre Vasilevsky are the two best goaltenders in these playoffs. Um I just don't like where Vegas has picked up up after last year when suddenly, um, late in the Vancouver series, this rookie goaltender was frustrating Vegas. And then they struggled to score against Dallas. And here they're struggling to score uh, in the first-round series against Minnesota. And with credit to the Vancouver rookie goaltender back then, um, who was replaced then by a free agent signing, um, uh, the Dallas goaltender who led them to the cup finals and Minnesota's overall team play. I'm not a big believer in Cam Talbot that he can win you a Stanley Cup. I think the common denominator here is what's Vegas really doing offensively with all that talent? Where's the design plays off faceoffs? Where's the interior passing? Why do the rushes disappear in the Stanley Cup playoffs? I- I'm wondering what's going on here internally. And does it concern you, Gil? that without Pacioretty, Stone looks normal. Oh. He doesn't look like an elite player.
3: I immediately bet on the wild when Pacioretty is out. I'm like, I'm betting the wild at these plus prices for sure. For sure. And Stone, Stone, as great as he is, you're right, can't can't take it all on his uh, on his back and will them the way that some others can. Um, Todd, could you give me five more minutes? Because I want to come back. I want to get your thoughts on the Avalanche, the Penguins, and the Bruins, wrap up the Stanley Cup, and then get your thoughts on the Cowboys season win total.
4: I can do that.
3: Thank you, sir. Todd, a lifelong Cowboys fan. Five minutes more with Todd Wright coming back on a numbers game at Visa, the sports betting network.
6: Welcome back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander.
3: With basketball, hockey, and baseball games every week, it's time to get into BetMGM Sports Nevada, the premier sports betting app. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds, specials, and much more. Just download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state issued ID. To open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada, whatever your style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Uh, again, the tennis plays from that we gave out yesterday, the Rinderknecht match as we try to get the 3-1 and one, has been suspended yet again with Rinderknecht up 3-2 to two in the final set. So we'll still have to wait for that result. As far as today's, just let me repeat these. The only one that has started of these eight is Samsonova and Petra. at Samsonova at plus 203. But everything else there, Schwartzman, Ivashka, Chechenato, Goff, Rakimova, Yanni, who won for us yesterday in Tomova, all of those still to come. Jason will put these in the newsletter as well. Todd Wright is with us uh, once again. Let's resume the NHL playoff talks with the or talk rather with the Colorado Avalanche. You like them, but to an extent.
4: Well, I, I don't love their goaltending, um, but the the numbers speak strongly about their um, low goals allowed. Um, there's a reason why. You know, they and Vegas were the top two teams in the West and really in the NHL all year. The special teams are very good. I think eighth in the regular season in uh, penalty kill, eighth in power play. I guess the weakness is that this team hasn't been around the block, but they took some steps last year. People know about uh, uh, what they did in the Western Conference semifinals last year. McKinnon, to me, may be one of the three best forwards in the National Hockey League and I think you need a guy like that when you struggle to score and he can put a team on his shoulders. I just love the way Sackick has built this team. Bender's been at uh, behind the bench with them for now, what, going on six years. There's a lot to like here, Gil, about Colorado and I think that push to win the President's Trophy um, and not have the first round matchup with Minnesota uh, was very good for Colorado and I can see them advancing in these Stanley Cup playoffs. I think they're a legit cup contender.
3: And what do you make of Pittsburgh and Boston, even uh, Pitt- Boston and Pittsburgh, both one-to-one in their respective series right now? What do you make of those two teams, the last two that we have here?
4: I'll admit, I don't know what to make of, of Pittsburgh and Boston. Boston was playing better, uh, I think, at the at the end of the year. I don't know if Pittsburgh's goaltender is, is ready to fill the void, um, to do the things that Marc-Andre Fleury did for them. However many years ago, it's been eight to 10 years ago. Now Pittsburgh has failed ever since they lost to your caps a few years ago. Mm -hmm. There's just been a lack of an it factor with Pittsburgh, but I'll acknowledge if their goaltender plays hot and if Crosby plays to his level, independent of the Malkin injury, they acquired Jeff Carter. I think playing him in the top six is kind of desperate. I think Carter's best days are behind him a few years with the LA Kings, but, um, I I don't know what to make of Pittsburgh, but I sort of give them the benefit of the doubt in what is a winnable division. Boston's kind of making up for lost time after Rask went home from the bubble last year. Uh, I think it's a very good team. I don't think they're very well coached. Uh, They rely on one line more than any other team in the NHL. So when that perfection line doesn't produce, Boston doesn't win. So those are the two that I really don't know what to make of. They're kind of my wild cards on well if they get hot and if this guy does this they can push through otherwise they're not going to push through
3: all right so if i'm gleaning correctly it sounds like you've got tampa bay and carolina on one end and then colorado on the other is that accurate
4: yeah and here's the ironic part gill if let's say boston doesn't push through and win their division or edmonton doesn't push through and get past toronto um, Tampa Bay would then play Colorado in the semis because Tampa Bay would be seeded fourth in this scenario. I know it sounds odd, but they're seeded third in their own division. So we could get, again, barring a Boston win in their division or Edmonton beating Toronto, Tampa Bay could play Colorado in the semis. And I think that winner is your Stanley Cup winner barring a major injury. Wow. Okay.
3: Okay. Um, any caveat if Pittsburgh's goaltending gets hot, you think they've got a shot too?
4: Well, yeah, I do. Cause I can't look past Sidney Crosby making one more run at a Stanley cup. I just don't know what to make of this new goaltender for Pittsburgh and whether they can recapture that it factor that just hasn't been there in recent years.
3: Okay. We'll talk about this more in the off season because I got to run now, but just a quick, yes, no answer. Your Dallas Cowboys season win total in a 17 game schedule, nine, the over slightly juiced. What do you got?
4: I say no uh, under because I still have a lot of questions about that offensive line and whether or not they can do the job to get Zeke going again and protect Dak Prescott enough.
3: Todd, I love you. Thank you so much. Todd Wright, everybody. You're you're welcome, Gil. Todd Wright, the greatest radio host there ever was. We'll come back. Josh Towers on baseball. And, yeah, I made a Shohei Otani MVP bet just under the gun yesterday. We'll talk about that right here on v a numbers game. Coming right back.
6: Welcome back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander.
3: We have a new feature on VEASAN.com that you should know about. Every day we're posting the latest betting splits on every game in the major sports with current odds and what percentage of bets and money are being placed on each game. Check the info out daily to find out which games are seeing the most tickets written, if that matches the money coming in on those games, to help you find a betting edge. And, of course, we have all the odds, data, and analysis for every game as well. Start your next sports bet at VEASAN.com. It's Gil Alexander. Uh, This is a numbers game. Uh, Yesterday, um, I have a whole bunch of bets in baseball, as we know, as we listed before the season, a whole just so many futures bets uh, for awards, for for counting stats, all kinds of things. That's like minuscule on the screen. Uh, Adalis Garcia, hundred to one to win the home run title, is one of them. Yesterday, you know, one of the things I didn't have was, and I've talked about it for years now hey shohei otani to win the al mvp you know if he does this on the pitching side if he does this on the hitting side shouldn't he be an mvp candidate well with the mike trout injury i had just about enough of it and i and i actually finally jumped in on otani and i did so yesterday and i think i got it right in under the gun uh, right as the trout news was coming out mike trout now out 6 to 8 weeks john ewing uh, sort of updating this for us. The line movement on Otani from 5 to 1 to plus 125 now. Trout goes from plus 180 to 12 to 1 cuz he is out 6 to 8 weeks. It's he, he's he's drawing dead on the on the MVP because of that injury. And here's the betting at at MGM per John Ewing. Otani 48% of the tickets, 36% of the handle. Trout 8% of the tickets, 42% of the handle. I got Otani yesterday at 4 to 1. 4 to 1. There was still a straight 4 to 1 in town. So I was happy to get that because I think he is really be a, barring an injury. That's the guy to beat at this point his 14th jack of the year yesterday. We bring in Josh Towers, veson host, former major league pitcher uh, and of course you can follow him on Twitter at no don't Josh, how you doing Josh? I'm good, buddy. how are you? I'm doing very well. Um, first of all, how do you feel about Otani's MVP candidacy at this point as well?
7: Kind of like, I'd like to hit off him if you want to know the truth. Really? Kind of what that fastball looks like. Uh, yeah, no, it's exciting what he's doing with the 14 homers. And then obviously on the pitching side of it, you know, for many years, a lot of us wanted to do both sides. And there's been some players over the over the years that could have done both sides. So it's just not something that that we do here. So the fact that he stood up for himself in Japan to say, I'll come over if I get to do this. And then he's showing off. is just fantastic. Uh, I don't mind it. I mean, listen. He, he's doing two different things. He's raking and then he's pitching on a level that's. I wish we would see him go deeper, more consistent. But his stuff is so good, and anytime you strike out a lot of guys, you're always going to throw more pitches. The one thing about that ticket, it's just his protection of Mike Trout. Like mean, now, do I have to pitch to Otani as much? I mean, I can worry about Rendon, who's not really you know raking, and I can worry about Jared Walsh, who I'm still not worried about because I don't have. Michael Trout behind him. So that's the one thing about the ticket that I'm like, all right, maybe I'll just pitch around Otani yeah. and see what happens for him.
3: That's a fair point. We'll find out. For sure. That's <laughs> a fair point without question. I would agree with that. If I came to you before the season, Josh, and I told you, I said, okay, here's the deal within two months and not even close to getting it under the gun, but literally like, you know, by May 20th, Joe Musgrove, Carlos Rodon, John Means, Wade Miley, and now Spencer Turnbull. By the way, honorable mention, Madison Bumgarner for a seven-inning no-no. All of these guys will have thrown a no-hitter. First of all, like you would have thought I was nuts, right? I don't know what odds you would have given me on that. There's not enough zeros to write. And then I probably would have asked you, do you want to go back and pitch in the majors? Like, Do you think you could throw a
7: no-no at this point, Josh? (laughs) I think that uh, at this day and age, no. I think if you gave me some of my old stuff, uh, we might have a chance with the way these guys swing. Uh, the Madison Bumgarner thing, by the way, is a no hitter. I don't care what baseball says; it is a no hitter. It's um, you know, it's funny too because you got the the Mariners who've been no hit twice in the last two weeks, and then they had another, I think, no hitter taken in the eighth inning against them or something like that. Or it was the Indians' pitcher who took a no hitter in the eighth or ninth inning, whatever it was. It's just, it's amazing what's going on right now. And then you look at overall numbers across baseball, and you're like. Well, I see the averages down, but then I see a lot of ERAs up without, you know, the exception of a couple. And it's it's so hard to like pinpoint what's going on. But I mean, this is the first time in a hundred years something like this has happened. And it's just it's funny to me. And again, it's it's with all the rule changes every year by, M, by Major League Baseball, it's hard for anybody to really get consistent at anything. Um, and I see we're see we're seeing the downfall on both sides of it, but I think it's funny, man. I, I just I love it. I I love the fact that there's no hitters everywhere. I love the fact that, again, it's kind of getting thrown in the face of, we had a pretty good thing going and you're ruining it.
3: Spencer Turnbull, for those who missed it, threw a no hitter (laughs) for the uh, Tigers late last night at Seattle. Five to nothing. Tigers win. All right. Full slate of baseball today, Josh, including the aforementioned Shohei Otani on the Hill for the Angels. Uh, They're minus 123 favorites against Savali and the Tribe. I like Aaron Savali. Uh, do you have a play on that game or are you looking elsewhere for the value
7: uh I might be looking elsewhere it's hard again for otani Osh- it's it's kind of like a first five play for me but then Savali's been so good uh and the angels as a team are very inconsistent with so many things so it's hard for me to jump on uh, otani as much as I want to jump on him especially again I mean Savali's five and one so they're doing good things uh there might be there might be some elsewhere it's it's tough to say um you know what's funny is I'm, I'm a first inning yes guy and i know you like to bet on those as well mm-hmm. there's some plus money, austin and, and the blue jays and i know it's risky with richards and stripling but i kind of like the first inning no in that game just i don't do it too often but i kind of like that and then i don't trust the twins at all as you know they're one of the worst teams in baseball and i can't figure out why i can't either but lucas yeah, Lucas Giolito's had one quality start this whole year. He seems to get destroyed in game day, uh, in day games, and so if there ever was a time that I'm going to fade, you know, the White Sox for the Twins this year, it might be today. It's not that I love sho- uh, Shoemaker at all, um, but it's just Giolito's not been good, man.
3: So you like the Twins to uh, put back to back wins together because the Twins did get the win last night late against Chicago. Yeah.
7: Um, and I wish the line was higher, but it's, I mean, it's. I think they, they kind of caught on to Giolito.
3: All right, so Minnesota plus 105, like the value there, and then you said uh, a no first-inning run, no run in the Boston-Toronto game, Richards against Stripling. Uh, i leave you with this, Josh. Tony La Russa um, being real old school all the time now, getting mad at his own player for swinging at a 3-0 from a skill position player. Um, where do you stand on this? I'm curious.
7: Uh, I think it's so funny. Um, from a from a side of the team that I'm on, I, I think that swinging 3-0 is very selfish. I don't think that hitters understand how much our backs are against the wall as pitchers, especially if there's somebody on base. And I go 3-0. I'm obviously not comfortable now. I'm just trying to get back in the count. I have to make a quality pitch after that. I don't think that. I think selfishly they should do it. But I think if they want to swing, who cares? I mean, it's baseball.
3: I'm saying. Tony Larusa sounds like he's a thousand years old. Josh always appreciated. Uh, we'll talk next week, if not sooner, my friend. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. Josh Towers, no first inning run from him. Boston, Toronto, and he's got the Twinkies. By the way, Mark Borchard on the show yesterday while we were killing tennis uh, with another plus two fifty-ish dog. Mark Borchard two and zero, easy peasy with Tampa Bay. And then he followed it up with the Twins as well. We'll come back. Jonathan Von Tobel on the NBA play-in situation yesterday and tonight as well. Lakers-Warriors tonight. What was that, Charlotte Hornets? Good Lord. JVT next, The numbers game at Visa, the Sports
0: Betting Network.
2: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander.
3: Join the sports betting excitement with BetMGM, and you can win $100 for a $1 wager on the Warriors or Lakers tonight. If either team hits a three, you win. Just use bonus code v 100 and get in the ring with the king of sportsbooks so that you can turn game time into showtime. Simply download the app or go to BetMGM.com for more details and use promo code v 100 New customer offer, paid and free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-2707-117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLE. In New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia, 1 800 bets off in Iowa. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800 889 9789. In Indiana, call 1 800 9 with it. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Skill Alexander, ladies and gentlemen, last night the NBA debuted its fine play in format where a 10 9 plays uh, play each other and then a 8 7 play each other. Oh, what a dud it was. What the heck was that, Charlotte Hornets? We bring in our senior NBA analyst, Jonathan Von Tobel. You can follow him at me, JVT. And JVT, you're filling in on a numbers game next week and the week after, yes?
6: Yeah, yeah, I am. They have given me permission to do so. So with your blessing, I will be there for 10 days over the next two weeks. You have been knighted. Uh, I appreciate
3: it. Wh- uh, so what? what was that, man? The, the, was that inexperience yeah. from the Hornets? Well, first of all, Indiana winning that game, 144 to 117 without Karis Levert in a game that, quite frankly, wasn't that close.
6: Yeah, what? no, not even, didn't even sniff him, right? Like, it was a laugher. I don't know. You know, I was talking about this last night, Gil, like, I guess maybe anecdotally, right, if you look at them and you evaluate their rosters, you have a team in Charlotte that is just littered with young kids who have never been to an NBA playoff game, right? You know, got a couple of guys that have played some games, Terry Rozier, namely being a dude who made a run to an Eastern Conference Finals. But outside of that, it like, it could anecdotally just be inexperienced. Like, that looked like a team that just showed up on a Tuesday night and playing in Indiana, like, with no totally. fire whatsoever. Like,
3: they weren't yeah, aware. Really weird. Yeah, like, they weren't aware that it was an elimination game. It was very odd. But you know what, it might, now that I think about it though, JVT, I'm, I'm curious if you feel the same way. It might not have been the most odd performance of the night. Now, by the way, Indiana will, will play Washington for the eighth seed. Uh, Boston secures the seventh seed with a 118-100 to 100 win over Washington in the uh, nightcap last night. That was a game that was close for, I don't know, two and a half quarters, let's call it. And then Boston just sort of rolled away, you know, ran away with it. By the way, Jason Tatum, let me, can I just say this? Uh... He gets a call if you cough on him and God help you if he bumps into you, you will not get a call like it, it, he does definitely get that or at least that's how it went down last night. But my thing was Russell Westbrook seemed. How can I put it? It's like the old uh, late night infomercial. Are you out of sorts? He he felt like he was Something was up with him.
6: Yeah, well, he looked. You know what he looked like? He looked like the version of Russell Westbrook that everybody hates, right? Yes. Like, you know, this this version. I've always been kind of strong on it this year, Gil. You know, if you have called Russell Westbrook a stat patter this year, then you have not watched a second of him play. Like, this has been efficient Russell Westbrook during this twenty four game run. It's been absolutely incredible. But last night, the six of eighteen from the floor, the 0 of four from three point range, and not even just that, but like they were the ugly Russell Westbrook jumpers, right? It was like pull up from the elbow and clank off like the back iron, like things like that that you didn't really see throughout this run, it was a little odd. And then you throw on top of the fact that Bradley Beal goes one to five from three point range, Davis Bertans go oh, seven from three point range uh. and you get the result that you got last night. So I would agree with you. Like it was an odd game, but I also think, you know, uh, again, kind of just going with the anecdotal evidence, it is hard to ask a team who did what they did over 24 games to continue to do that and then maintain it through a team that's pretty much on your same level, maybe a little bit better on the road against Boston. And so I, I do think I'm I think they will win against Indiana. We, they need like Russell Westbrook to show up, you know, the guy that was over the 24 games. Uh, I want to see if that number comes down a little bit, but I would expect a better performance against a Pacers team who, even before last night, remember, the 22 games without Miles Turner, one of the worst defensive teams in the league. They were 24th in defensive efficiency, you know, 15 and 7 to the over for a reason over the 22 games, another one last night, by the way. So I, f- I feel like they should move on against Indiana, but you do need better Russell Westbrook.
3: Yeah, you need, you need. Uh, we were starting to whisper, playoff Russell Westbrook returned last night. We were trying to, we were, yeah. were sort of saying that. And by the way, the Wizards who play five games in one typically are like, oh, they fell behind. No problem. They'll come back. No, nope, never came back. Um, so you have again Indiana and Washington now for the A seed. Uh, last thing about that, are, are we sleeping on the Pacers? Because again, like you said, no Miles Turner, no Karis Levert. Like if they had their whole crew, that's a heck of a basketball team.
6: Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, look, I was really high on India. Look, me and Jason talked about it before, like, we're at the beginning of the season. I have a, you know, 32-1 to 1 Eastern Conference ticket on the Pacers that is going to eventually burn at some point, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> I was really high on this team coming into this year. I, I do think quietly, Gil, one of the things about this team, you know, without Miles Turner defensively, they're a lot worse. But they actually do have a worse net rating when Sabonis and Turner are on the floor together. There's something about those two that doesn't really fit. So, if they want to work that out, stagger minutes, do whatever, there's a potential for this team to be very good. But I would agree with the overall sentiment that I think this Pacers team did not show this year what they could potentially be. Like, I like the collection of talent that they have. They, they should have been, I think, like comfortably within the postseason, maybe like a sixth seed if they'd actually performed at their peak. But obviously they didn't. And, you know, now fighting for the eighth seed as of what, tomorrow night.
3: I've, I always say it, I've said it a million times, but really, if you ha- had access to the box scores after these games, all you have to do is go to the three-point shooting. Uh, Celtics, 15 of 45. Wiz, 3 of 21. Good Lord. And then the Pacers-Hornets game. Uh, they got Doug mcdermott early in this game. Uh, Pacers, 16 of 35. Uh, and then actually didn't look so bad in the end for the Hornets, but it was far gone at uh, 12 for 40. Okay, tonight... Second verse, same as the first. And I was mentioning on primetime action last night, which I do with Matt Brown, Daniel Alvari, and Kelly Bidlin, that if, if San Antonio Memphis is as big of a dud as Charlotte, Indiana, the NBA is never doing this 10-9 thing ever again. Um, yeah. Memphis favored by four. And then, of course, the nightcap JVT, the one that everybody's waiting for, the 8-7 Golden State, and the Lakers. The Lakers now up to five and a half in some spots
6: yeah so starting with that one I would agree with this right you know seven was the opener seems it, to me that was really strong right you know I thought this number should have been cl- much closer to six uh, than it should have been about seven and so you saw the market really react I'm kicking myself because circa bottomed all the way out at Lakers minus four and I didn't get in quick enough and now we're to where we're at right now look I-, I think this is a matchup that really works for the Los Angeles Lakers right Steph Curry is really solid he's absolutely fantastic he's been pulling this team you know by the seat of their pants going no we're going to the postseason, but but at the same time, this team really has their flaws. You know, I mentioned, remember that 14, 15 game stretch? I think it was on with you guys on primetime action during that night. We were like, hey, look, there's this 15 game stretch where Curry's averaging 40 points a game. He's been absolutely fantastic, seven three-point makes per game. They were still 20th, 19th in defense or excuse me, offensive efficiency during that stretch because they just don't have anything around Steph. Now, the rebuttal is over the last few games, their offensive ratings have been spectacular, like well over like a buck twenty in a lot of these. But you have to look at their opponents that they've been facing, right? New Orleans Pelicans a couple of times in there. The Thunder. You know, it hasn't been the most stellar competition. This is where the offense, I think, starts to regress a little bit overall for the Golden State Warriors. And then you just look at the front court situation. If you start to see these AD at the five lineups against this team, they have nobody who can match that. Draymond Green's going to be an all-defensive team player this year, but he gets LeBron, maybe he gets AD. He still gives up a lot of size to both of those guys. I just think it's a matchup nightmare for the Golden State Warriors. So I think you expect, you know, you go back to the three games. I know you mentioned this when I talked to you guys the other day, Gil. The three games that they have played, the Los Angeles Lakers against the Golden State Warriors. We're talking about the Lakers posting a net rating. I think it's plus, I'm going to put it 16.6, holding them to under a point per possession. You're going to see something similar to that here. So I thought the buy-in price was like four and a half. It's up to five, five and a half. We'll see if the public comes back down. But I do think the Lakers are the side. And I did bet Memphis minus three and a half. You know, if you go over these last few games for San Antonio, right? San Antonio, quietly, a couple of weeks ago, lost Eric White. That's a 16-point-per-game score. And that has hurt their offense. Go back to May 2nd. Since then, offensive ratings of 108 or lower in every game but two. Like, this has not been very good for San Antonio. And on top of that, Gil... Their defense has regressed immensely in the second half, 24th ranked defense in the NBA since the all-star break. I I think Memphis matches up very well with this team. So I think this is one where Memphis is going to win this. We're going to get a rematch between the Warriors and the Grizzlies in that final play-in game for the final seed of the Western Conference.
3: Yeah, San Antonio, the team, for whatever reason, we never mention good or bad all season long. Uh, That's the first of the two tonight. By the way, 4.30 p.m. Pacific, 7.30 p.m. Eastern start tonight for that one. We were an hour earlier yesterday. All right, rapid fire, last two minutes here. Tomorrow night, The Indiana-Washington game for the eighth seed in D.C. Washington's a a three-and-a-half point favorite, 240-and-a-half. Any thoughts there?
6: Uh, not, initially, uh, I would like to bet Washington. I just don't want to lay three and a half, right? I think this is right where the number should be. So I'm hoping that the uh, maybe the market comes in, overreacts to Indiana's win yesterday and drives that down a little bit, gets it under three, because then I'll be in. Uh, also, it, you know, look, I, this Indiana team again now, 16 and seven to the over in these 23 games since Turner's been injured. It's been a trend that the market hasn't caught up with. They're over 60% this year to the overgill. They're perceived as a much better defensive team than they are. That seems like a high total. So if that starts to tick, uh, to tick down a little bit here. You might get some value there, but I did hear you impressed in talking right uh, the other day about these kind of game seven ish type situations. Yeah. This is an elimination game. And so maybe that slows things down. So I wouldn't be, I'm not gung ho to jump on the over, but it's something I'm looking at.
3: Super high total. All right, Saturday, I'll just throw these. I know you probably haven't delved into them very uh, much yet, but it's mm-hmm. game ones, or is that games one of all of the already predetermined series. Uh, the 6-3 in the East. Miami at Milwaukee is the first one. Milwaukee five-point favorites, 227.
6: My initial thought is, you know, so this opened like six and a half. You know, is, is, this continues to drop. Milwaukee might be the side here. Look, I like this Miami team. And, you know, we talked about this again on primetime action with Matt Brown. And if this offensive, you know, surge is real that this team is going through, then that's something I think the Eastern Conference, namely the Bucks, should be concerned. But why should I believe that it is, right? You know, it's only a 13-game stretch now at this point. Uh, defensively, they have fallen off in the second half. Part of me thinks that they can still continue to do something against Giannis. But overall, Miami is still, I, I feel like... the I just have a hard time believing in a shorter sample size of this suddenly resurgent offense. And so I think that Milwaukee might be able to actually take game one there and cover the, a discounted number because a lot of people are going to be on Miami after what happened last year, but it clearly isn't the same Miami team.
3: All right, and then which of these three do you like the best? These are also on Saturday, all game ones. Dallas at the Clippers, the 5-4 with the Clippers favored by 5, 221.5. Boston, Brooklyn, the 7-2 game one. Brooklyn, seven and a half, two twenty five and a half, And then Portland, Denver. Can't wait for that, man. Uh, that's the 6-3 with the Nuggets favored by one two twenty seven. Which do you like best at first glance?
6: Initial thought, Dallas or Denver, excuse me. I, I, oh. I think Denver's going to be able to beat up Portland on the interior. They've been terrible all year long there. No answer for Jokic or no answer for Borden.
3: By the way, I see that in different spots. The pick them also in some spots. I even yeah. see a Portland minus one out there as well. Uh, JVT, enjoy the play-in games tonight. May they be better than last night.
6: Right, thanks, man. Appreciate it, my man,
3: Jonathan Von Tobel at me JVT. Also, the host of great podcast, Hardwood Handicappers, with Jonathan Von Tobel, deep dive into the NBA. Our senior NBA analyst. We'll come back. Uh, Jason Weingarten on baseball. Brady Cannon on the PGA. Andy McNeil on the NHL postseason. It's a numbers game at Veasan,
0: the sports betting network.